Tuesday, April the 20th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Germany's Greens new leader and Nvidia's embattled bid for arm. First, the world in brief. Germany's Green Party anointed Annalena Baerbock as its candidate for the chancellorship, which will be vacated when Angela Merkel steps down after a general election in September. Ms Baerbock has helped transform the Greens from protest party to serious electoral contenders. Painful efforts by the ruling Conservative Alliance, Mrs Merkel's Christian Democratic Union and its Bavarian ally, the Christian Social Union, to choose their own successor, inched forward when senior party members named Armin Laschet, the CDU leader, as their preferred candidate over Markus Söder, the popular head of the CSU. The European Union secured an extra 100 million doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, bringing the total number of doses to be delivered this year to 600 million. The bloc needs more shots to offset delays in the rollout of the Oxford, AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson jabs. Meanwhile, a study in the United Arab Emirates found that China's Sinopharm vaccine is 93% effective at preventing hospitalization in COVID-19 patients. India's explosion of COVID-19 kept pace, with around 250,000 new cases and a record number of deaths. The rupee slid as curfews proliferated. Britain put travellers from India on a red list, and Boris Johnson cancelled a trip for the second time this year. The Indian government announced that adults will be entitled to vaccines by May 1st. Whether enough will be available is harder to say. Minneapolis braced itself for a verdict in the trial of Derek Chauvin, a white former police officer who is charged with the murder of George Floyd, a black man, in the city last May. The prosecutor told jurors to, quote, believe your eyes, as he replayed video of Mr. Chauvin kneeling on Mr. Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. Mr. Chauvin's lawyer argued that he had behaved like any, quote, reasonable cop. Chad's armed forces claimed they had killed 300 rebels in the country's northern Kanem and Tibesti provinces. The Libyan-based rebels attacked as polling stations began counting votes from the presidential election on April 11th, in which President Idris Deby is poised to extend his 30-year rule. Mr Deby is an ally of France and America, both of whom support the fight against extremists in the Sahel. The sale of ARM by Japan's SoftBank to America's NVIDIA in a deal worth $40 billion has been called into question. The British government asked its antitrust regulator to investigate the competition and national security implications of the sale of the British headquartered chip designer. A report is due by July 30th. NASA, America's space agency, confirmed that Ingenuity completed its first flight on Mars at 7.30 a.m. GMT. The miniature helicopter is the first machine to fly on another planet, more than a century after the Wright brothers took to the air. Ingenuity's feat is expected to change space exploration, allowing aerial vehicles to venture into areas where land-based machines cannot go. And editor's note – In the coming months, you may notice as we test some changes to Espresso. Our stories each day will cover a wider range of topics and may be updated more frequently. As we experiment, we welcome feedback from you. Tell us what you like or don't. 
As ever, we hope to serve up the strongest shot of daily news, analysis and commentary possible. Writes to the Espresso Editor, Adam Roberts, at editor-espresso at economist.com. And now, here's today's agenda. Suffer the children, gun violence in American schools. Today is the National Day of Action Against Gun Violence in Schools. No need to specify which country, sadly. This year, five American children have died in shootings at schools. Annually, according to Every Town for Gun Safety, an advocacy group, around 3,000 children are fatally shot. Joe Biden, the president, has introduced several gun-related executive orders, but meaningful federal legislation seems unlikely. It would be filibustered, and the administration will want to spare political capital for other fights. Maryland and Virginia have tightened background checks, and New Jersey's governor is poised to introduce sweeping gun control measures. But many states are moving in the opposite direction. From May 5th, residents of Utah will no longer need permits to carry concealed weapons. Iowa and Tennessee will follow suit on July 1st. Most states require no background checks on private gun sales. Expect these days of action to continue for years to come, but with few results in Washington. Not going quietly, Navalny v. Putin Yesterday, Russia's prison service said that Alexei Navalny's health was, quote, satisfactory, but that he had been moved to an infirmary nearly three weeks into a hunger strike to demand access to his preferred doctor. But the opposition leader's supporters have warned he is at risk of imminent death. Even incarcerated and suffering acute mental and physical torment, Mr. Navalny is a threat to President Vladimir Putin. The international support the dissident enjoys was shown in an open letter on Friday from nearly 80 eminent intellectuals and artists from around the world, and in an American government warning that there will be, quote, consequences if he dies in jail. He also has support at home. Demonstrations to back him are planned across Russia tomorrow. Moscow's prosecutor has applied to a court to have Mr. Navalny's organization closed down as extremist. Mr. Putin looks nervous, whereas Mr. Navalny seems to know no fear. Killer Curve, India's Second Wave Each day's new figures boggle. According to an independent tally on April 18th, India logged more than 275,000 additional cases of COVID-19. Yesterday, it recorded more than 1,750 deaths amid reports indicating gross undercounting. Since the crest of India's first wave, which nearly touched 100,000 daily new infections in September, cases subsided to about 10,000 per day throughout the winter. Many Indians let their guard down with a season of intense political campaigning and the observance of a giant Hindu festival. But the suddenness of this tsunami of infections has shocked even the pessimists. It may be accelerated by a new viral strain, first identified in Maharashtra state. Now the whole country is reeling, with hospitals and crematoria buckling under pressure. Inadequate supplies of medical oxygen are proving deadly. Delhi began a one-week curfew today. Five cities in the neighbouring state of Uttar Pradesh did the same. For millions of Indians, the eerie stillness of last year's lockdown is back. Turbulent Times, Boeing's AGM 
Boeing's shareholders gather virtually today to take stock of the troubles facing the American plane maker. They will discuss whether the board is up to the task of monitoring the revitalization of the aerospace giant. Some investors, encouraged by families of the victims of the 737 MAX crashes, may heed proxy advisers and vote against the chairman and other board members. The resumption of deliveries of the 737 MAX is encouraging, but the recent groundings of some planes to check electric systems is a concern. Although Boeing delivered 77 planes in the first quarter of this year, its arch-rival Airbus delivered 125. The long-term flight path for the recovery of air travel is also unclear, as COVID-19 continues to keep international flying in check. Boeing's quarterly financial results, released next week, will not be pretty. Given a kicking, European Football's Super League We didn't know we had snakes so close to us, said Alexander Cheferin, head of Europe's football association UEFA. His target? 12 big clubs that announced on Sunday they would kick off a breakaway Super League in August. Though Mr Cheferin sounded shocked, similar ideas have been around for decades. The COVID-19 pandemic, which has battered clubs' finances, has simply focused minds. The Super League would mean more eye-catching clashes between 20 of the continent's most famous sides, which would split the television rights fewer ways than under the 32-team Champions League. Fifteen founding clubs would be exempt from relegation. Die-hard fans are livid. The clubs are betting that the ritzy new league would win them more followers elsewhere, if it goes ahead. UEFA claims that Super League players would be banned from contests like the World Cup. Britain's government is looking at ways to block it. The idea could yet be an own goal. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Dorothy Height, who died on this day in 2010. If the time is not ripe, we have to ripen the time. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 